0: Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Welcome back, and happy Labor Day. Um, I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend. And if you go by the calendar of school, summer is over, right? But technically, summer goes until September 23rd, so we have a couple more weeks. But for all intents and purposes... Summer is over and we're into our fall kind of preparation for 2020. And so that can be daunting for a lot of us. You know, it's like summer comes and goes so fast. I mean, if we listen to these episodes, I remember doing an episode probably back in May, which was like, oh, let's get prepared for summer. And summer is it's just gone. And summer in New York ends abruptly, right? It's like it was 90 degrees two weeks ago. And then till you wake up today and it's a cool breeze and it's like about 68 degrees. So it just it ends very abruptly. But here we are. Um, If you are in anywhere down on the southern coast, you know, hopefully you're not dealing too bad with the the ramifications of the hurricane that's been out there. And um, for those of us who have family or friends or people we know and love in the Bahamas, prayers up for them. I mean, there's been a lot of destruction that hurricane has sat over. Um, the Bahamas at a category, almost five at this point, and that's just destructive. So, you know, prayers up for the life of, lives of those people there, and hopefully um, they will survive and get through this and, and be ready to rebuild. And there are many organizations out there that are looking for a donation. So if you're looking to contribute to the Bahamas and to help them through this process, there are many organizations out there that are kind of already getting ready and, and geared up for that. The Bahamas has been spared um, a, a really bad hurricane effects. I mean, there's some parts that were still hit by the last hurricane, um, that came through, but they had been spared for a while of these major kind of like, um, true category five systems that can be so destructive. And so, um, it's my hope that they'll be able to rebuild um pretty quickly, and that, that the loss of life is minimized in this process. Um, also, there, we're headed we're headed towards um we 're finished with Labor Day and all of the celebrations of Labor Day, and many people are back to work today, um, but then we 're heading towards back to school, which I believe in New York City back to school public school starts for tomorrow um, you know i <laughs> I begrudge when school goes back in because I commute to work and I drive, and the commute and i from I guess from what I remember when i didn 't drive, the commute changes tremendously regardless it 's like all of a sudden everyone parents are back kids are back there's more people on the train more people on the bus more people on the road everything and it it changes my commute that right now could be 45 minutes to work and makes it like an hour and a half so it just it changes my vibe because I like to do what I like to do in the morning and move at whatever pace but once it gets to school's back in session I have like a limited period of time that I have to get out the door in order to make it to work so it, and sitting in traffic and all that stuff So I'm trying to woosah and taking in the last couple of um Today being the last day that I could possibly have A decent commute both going in and coming home So, But shout outs to all the kids going back <laughs> All the kids and parents going back to school And wishing you guys a good school year um For both the parents and the kids I know this can be stressful um For both participants, both the parents and the kids And so um, we want to welcome you guys back for that Um, I want to touch on a couple of um, issues today. So it'll be a little bit of um, a few kind of issues. I think we'll call this like a a September kind of catch up back to school, back to work, back to life kind of episode. So I wanted to start off by kind of recapping something for you um, that I've talked about a, a, a lot in the past, but I wanted to recap it at the top of the podcast before I forgot, which is I've done maybe three episodes about brand loyalty. Um, if you're new to listening to the podcast or if you're just starting to catch up, I'm a big traveler. I like to travel. It's it's the thing that I choose to do with my discretionary income um, because traveling, I have a very demanding job. It's very intense. And there are times when and I'm also an introvert. So there are times when I need to like recharge and, you know, I, I can't always do that the same at home. It doesn't always feel like it, I can do that. Um, but when I travel, I feel like I can get away, experience different things and kind of recharge my own battery and come back being able to kind of still participate in, in my life. Um, so traveling is really important to me. Um, I am a big, um, brand loyalty person because for two reasons, honestly, one is because I have a personality I like to know what to expect. And so it would be very hard for me if I had to travel on multiple airlines every time, Because um, traveling on a different airline is like a different process and you got to know what it is for each each process each person and and I don't like that and then even with hotels and things you know again I stay at the same type of hotels if I go certain places if I repeat go there I have a a hotel that I will stay in and if I go to a place I've never been I will stick to a brand of hotels that I've stayed at so I'm a Hilton uh, Hilton and Marriott type person I stay at those hotels. And so I fly exclusively on Delta. I rent cars exclusively on Enterprise. And so part of this that I know people have always given me feedback is like there are times when you pay more. So particularly in airline travel, right? There are times Delta can be expense, more expensive than other flights. So there are times when I bought a ticket for someplace and I've paid, let's say, $300 for it. And someone's like, oh, I paid 250 on Southwest. And um, it's not to shame Southwest, but I hate flying. I flew Southwest twice in my life, both times going I think to Chicago for Thanksgiving and I hate oh I hate Southwest. I can't stand it. Anyway. Um, so for me, the fifty dollars, um, the value of the fifty dollars of not having to have a layover, not having to deal with having to, you know, make sure I the carry on enough the bags and all that stuff and you have to pay for this and pay for that. I can't I can't be bothered with that. It just can't. It does it, it, it ruins travel for me when you have to go through all of that. And so I I stick to Delta. I mean, I have flown Delta out of the country. Like I've flown I flew Delta when I went to Italy. I flew Delta when I went to Ghana. Like I tried my hardest to fly Delta whenever possible. Um and so um I have a good experience with Delta. I have a good status with Delta and um more recently I became a Silver Medallion status um at Delta and that gives me the opportunity to board early and I can check my bags for free. Um, but also it gives me the opportunity to be upgraded on a flight if there's an upgrade available. So on all my flights, I have an upgrade request so I can either be upgraded to comfort, which just gives you a little more leg or upgraded to first class. And for the most part, when you travel like that, you know, especially if you go in places that are very popular, there are other people who have higher status than me who will get upgraded before me. And they, they show you a list and they tell you where you are on the list and if you're going to get upgraded. But I've, I flew to the month of August, I flew Delta twice. I flew Delta to Las Vegas and on both flights there and back, I was upgraded to Delta Comfort, which was great because Vegas is a long flight. More recently, at the end of August, I flew to Miami and on both flights, I was upgraded to first class. And so it just was a reminder. And I wanted to kind of share that, that the brand loyalty can be important. It can it, it can increase your your flying experience or your travel experience. And um, it doesn't you don't have to. Um, you don't have to, you know, always spend a lot of money to get it. You can just consistently spend your money when you do spend it with the same brand, and you'll find that you will see the some benefits to that. Again, you know, flying with Delta consistently again. Every time I fly, I basically fly with Delta, so that's a little consistent that's very consistent. And then if you look at when I arrived in Miami, I was a repeat I I, I stay at the same hotel, I stay at the shore club, I stay at the same hotel basically every time I go to Miami I probably go to Miami once a year so as soon as I got there they're like okay we know who you are so when I got to my room there was a bottle of champagne waiting for me you know that's a really that's a nice thing to get when you're traveling I also was able to travel to um when i travel to Las Vegas and the same hotel I stay at Caesars for the most part when I go there um I was able to get my room before um check out before I'm um, check-in time and I was also able to check out later So there's just small things that get you some benefits to um to brand loyalty So I just wanted to bring that up and just share with you guys an experience that I had and also understanding that The brand you choose to be loyal to does not have to be a brand that's expensive It's just that if you choose if you're a person who consistently flies on southwest or any other But like, join those cl- join those memberships join those like, you know the, the When they tell you oh, you can join and, and get points do it because it is helpful. And then for the, some people will tell me, you know, Malik, I don't travel enough for all of this, but if anytime you travel for the most part, these things don't expire. So if you're going to, if you're going to travel and you're, and, and even if you're traveling twice a year, once a year, it's beneficial for you to, to increase your travel experience and to know what to expect when you're traveling. And the same thing, um, I have, I have, I, I rent basically with enterprise. And, um, so I somehow, I didn't even realize it, but I was in some, in a, a higher level status with enterprise because of how much I rent with them, which is not nearly as often as I fly or stay in hotels, but it was, it was helpful when I traveled, I think to LA that I was able to kind of get in, get my car and get out really quickly because I was in this, I forget what it's called now, the travel gold or something like that. So I'm just saying that, that those kind of, those kind of things help you in your travel experience. And also again, there are things and perks that you don't want to have to pay for. And so if you are a, a loyal brand member, a, a, if you're loyal to a brand, there are things that you can get as perks that you that you wouldn't have to pay for. And if sometimes things come up where you are not, you're, you're you're kind of in a bind, you can sometimes call and get a benefit of being somebody who consistently utilizes a certain brand. So just keep that in mind for when it comes to travel. And I wanted to share that experience with you guys. Also, we are at the beginning of September, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, and it is time for back to school. And so I wanted to give you guys a couple of stats on how back to school affects you financially. And so when we think about back to school, we're talking about two separate things, particularly for kids K to 12. We're talking about school clothes and we're talking about school supplies. Uh, This year, I participated in a back to school drive um, to to provide school supplies to young kids who don't have, um, who's, you know, who don't whose parents don't have the ability to provide their, um, their school supplies for them. And I noticed that school supplies are not, you know, that they're not as expensive. It's not about them being expensive, that they're plentiful. What the kids need, they need a lot of stuff and you have to find a lot of deals. And some of my friends who are parents were kind of like telling me like, you go to this store, you go to that store. You know, Target has the crayons for 99 cents. This one has this. So you you kind of have to be savvy about it because it's, it's a lot of stuff that they need. And then there's the school clothes. If your kids wear uniforms, it's one set of issues. And if your kids don't wear uniforms, it's a whole other set. But at the end, they still need sneakers. They still need winter boots. They need, still need a book bag. They still need a, probably a new jacket or coat, depending on where you live. And so it can become a very expensive task. And, you know, we talk about these things that come up regularly. And I often try to encourage you guys to plan ahead for them because, you know, it is a lot when an uh, when an expense comes and it hits you at one time, right? And so on average, back to school cost for kids K to twelve um is a, on average about uh six hundred dollars per student. And that again, that includes the cost of school supplies and school clothes. Um and that's kids K through twelve. Families that are sending kids off to college are expected to spend on average fifteen hundred dollars per student just getting them set up to go to college. That doesn't include books and things that they have to have. That's more so the supplies plus getting them set off to go into dormitories or, or, or living away at college. These are expensive things and they come up, um, and they kind of come out of nowhere, right? Because summer, you're kind of riding through the summer, and then boom, it's the end of July, beginning of August, and now they're hitting you with the back to school list. And so it can be it can be an expense that we that gets taken on and one of the things that you have to think about about this is that it is not, you know, the, the cost of the child going to school. If your children go to school and are receiving public education, which is free, then you are limited and, you know, you're, you're paying for school supplies and school clothes. But if you are someone who intends to or currently does, send your kid to a private school, um, a private elementary school or private high school you know the cost then increases because not only are you paying for school supplies you're also paying a monthly more than likely a monthly cost for kids to go to, to go to school you know a couple of my friends have younger kids who are still in um preschool leading up to like kindergarten first grade and then some of them are some of my other friends we have a very range some of them have kids that are in high school or um we sent a few kids off to college this this um this, this year, this fall. So it, the range is there. And so I'm watching everyone kind of spend at these different paces and have these expenses come. And so it, it, it's it's helpful to be mindful of it in advance. We always talk about that. The best way to be financially stable is to plan in advance for expenses that you can plan for and then plan for those that you cannot plan for, right? That's why I always encourage us to have savings because you're planning for the unknown, Right. So we know school's going to start in September. We know that if you have a kid who's going to college, you know when they're going. You know when you'll have to deal with the cost of getting them back to school. If you have a kid in high school and if you're paying for school, then you know. And, and I, I think with the private schools, you begin paying probably in like July. You're paying a monthly expense. And, you know, you have to plan ahead. And then if you think about it now, if you have a kid who is, or a child, I don't know people don't like the word kid, but if you have a child, who is going from pre-K or daycare into kindergarten and first grade, like into elementary school, and you're sure at this point that you do not want to put them in public school or you've explored that option, now is the time to begin saving for that. On average, right? On average, private schools in New York City, if you live in New York City, I'm just going to use New York City is probably the most expensive, probably next to like L.A., New York City private schools on average for kids K through 12, no, I'm sorry, for elementary school is on average $12,000 $12, $12, a year. So if you're talking about elementary school and that would be K, you know grades K through eight to send your kids to a, um, a private school for elementary school, you're talking about an additional $1,000 a month or a little more that you're paying because sometimes they make you pay for it in the nine month period. So it could be about $1,500 a month that you're paying for your child to go to school, that is rent, right? That is another full on expense. So for some people, when they're transitioning from daycare to paying for private elementary school, there's not really an impact on them because that's about how much daycare can cost. So they just kind of keep riding that cost out. Um, But for others, it it brings upon a, a struggle because kids also cost more money as they get older for other things, not just for the care, but for other things. And so planning ahead is always the key as it relates to paying for not only their school supplies and getting them ready for school, but if you intend to pay for a school. You know, we can have different conversations about the value of public education versus private education. I'm not really interested in that conversation, but from a financial standpoint, there are two ways to approach um, your, your children's education, particularly when we get to K through eight. Um, the choice for private high school usually has a lot less to do with um, the educational access and more to do with a specific or targeted um, reason for wanting your kids to go to private high school. Um, studies have shown that kids learn what they need to learn in order to be good students between the age between grades K through third th- through third grade. And if your child is struggling in school um, through the through third grade. Um, that is where um, they, the studies show that you kind of lose students either lose or gain their interest or demonstrate their their interest in school through the third grade so a lot of people feel that putting children in a very structured and, and maybe sometimes private educational setting through those years has more value um in, in making sure they have a solid foundation for their education etc um and that and that could be true for each individual but there again there's two ways to approach this and one of the ways to approach it can be that you want to either decide in advance when your children are young, you know, when they're born to when they're three, four years old, that you're gonna just pay for for school and that's what you're gonna do. And that is a very, um that's a fine way to, to decide that there's no judgment there. The idea is just that you have to have the money to do it. And, you know, people say that they want to do that, but there's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make to make sure that you can carve out $1,500 plus the cost of uniforms and et cetera. So let's just say, at two thousand, let's just say you can carve out fifteen hundred dollars a month, every month on top of your normal bills to pay for your child's education. That is a lot of money uh, for most people, and so that requires some planning and some ahead, some thinking ahead if that's what you want to do. And so that's one way to approach it: is just to decide that's what you're going to do, and maybe save up the money or make sure you keep your expenses down so you can afford it. Another way is that from the child time when your child is young is, um, and first born to when they're gonna be four years old, and they're heading into pre-K, into school, is to decide where you're going to live. And some people are willing to pay a little bit more for where they live in order to access public school. And so again, it's two tactics. Both of them will cost you money <laughs> at the end of the day. But if you want to... Focus on a long-term strategy for, for making sure that your children are going and having access to schools that you feel are quality. You can choose to live in a neighborhood where the schools are better and they're public, and you'll be able to access those schools by either buying a home in that area or renting in an area where there's a, there's a better school, school system. But you have to make those. Again, those are the kind of plans that you have to make early. Because those are the kind of things that impact you, that kind of run up on you very quickly. Your child is born, you're thinking, oh, they're, some, they're small, they're young, and then when it's, you, you know, you with the flick of a switch, they're four, and it's time for school. And um, if you haven't already planned and carved out an additional fifteen hundred dollars a month, it's very challenging to do that. And there are a lot of sacrifices that have to be made in order to get that. And if that happens and comes upon you right when your child's ready to go to school, it can be a challenge for you to be able to um, pull it together. So. Now is a good time, particularly if you have children who are not yet in school, but you know that that's where that's where you're going. You have two more years, a year before they go into kindergarten. This is a good time to think about financially the moves you want to make in order to ensure that you, your child's going to get the education that you want them to get, whether it be public or private um, in the schools that you want to and where you're going to make that financial sacrifice, because at the end of it, it's going to be a financial sacrifice. Um, if you fast forward to going to high school, private high schools, a private high school um, on average a private high school being even more expensive private high schools can cost about twenty five thousand dollars a year and again that's kind of a high number that's not that's not really catholic schools that's more so when you get into those private day schools that are almost like boarding schools but even still a private high school could be could cost the same amount as about an elementary school so maybe you can spend about fifteen thousand dollars a year on it that's still in a heavy amount of money coming out your pocket at a time when kids need more expensive school clothes, more expensive um, you know, extracurricular activities, and you're trying to be ready and prepare for them to go to college for which you're going to then have to spend more money. Now, the idea here, there's an idea or a thought process that Spending all this money early is supposed to prevent you from spending money later. So there are people who have the mindset that if I spend money on private school from K through 12, the idea is I'm not going to have to spend that money on college because I've given my child this uh, this this what is perceived to be this high level of education. And therefore, by the time it's time to go to college, they should have their pick of the colleges they want to go to, as well as scholarships and, and money, you know, access to money to cover it. And that can be true and that is really the goal if you if that's what you're going to do, you would want it so that you're not then forced to pay for college. But um I know a few people have sent kids off to college and some of those kids have gone to private school and every one of them has had to put money up. So it can be that, um, but it can also not be that, you know. And so at the end you don't want to have spent all this money for your kids to go to these um private schools to turn around and have to either send them to an expensive um, college that you have to pay for or have their choice of college be um a, a lower college than they wanted to go to because you can't afford to send them to the school that they would want to because you've kind of depleted everything sending them to all these private schools all these years. So, you know, it's not really for me a debate about the value or virtue of public versus private. I went to um, public schools my whole life as far as K through 12. I went to a public, a public college. I went to... Um, a, the state. I went to Penn State. So public college, public university in Pennsylvania. And then I went to a private university for grad school. So it's, it, I mean, I've seen, I've lived on all sides of, of it, public school, public university, private university. And there are differences in perks and benefits and everything. Um, but one didn't determine the other. You know, I went to public school my whole life and I still went to a, a really good university for undergrad and then went to a, a great school for graduate school. So doesn't always have to be the determinant factor, Um, whether or not you pay for school or not. But um, there are different, you know, the education system depends on where you live, depends on what you expect to get from it, et cetera. So those are kind of debates about virtue. I'm more so talking about from a financial standpoint, being able to do what you can afford. There are ways to get your children good educations that are free. You do not have to pay for your child to have a good education. It just requires a lot of legwork and a lot of movement and a lot of participation on the part of the parent. Um, and so maybe some some parents are better equipped to do that. Some parents are not. And they just say, hey, I'd rather pay for it. Um, there, there, There's different factors here. But like anything else, you can't pay for what you can't afford. And so you have to be able to afford this. And if your plan is to send your kids to a paid um paid school and and your kids are younger at this point you got to get to the saving of the money now you have to carve out the money now and get yourself in a place and space where either you're going to make an adjustment to where you live so your kids can go to public school where you're quote-unquote paying for it just not paying for it out out of pocket or you're going to find your way to 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 pay for them to go to a private school um out of pocket and you have to carve that money out in advance you know you can't just wait until your kid is four or five and it's time for them to go to school and now you have to find 1500 extra a month because no matter who you are and how much money you make to find 1500 extra a month is going to be a challenge and, and it's a challenge that we can prepare for you know if your kid is two they're eventually going to be four you know this so you can plan ahead So that was really what I wanted to talk about today. It's like the cost of school, the choices I'm making about whether or not kids go to you know public or private school. I don't want to forget about those parents who choose to homeschool their children, um, to alleviate costs. But understanding that homeschooling is also a privilege, right? And I want to be clear about that. That there is all of this. There's privilege in all these discussions, and I don't want to make it seem like. You know, some parents would love to send their kids to a private school, but don't have the option. They don't have the option of moving to a different area to get better schools. They don't have the option to um, to pay for them to go to private school. And so they do the best they can with the public schools that, that they have access to. And that doesn't make it worse or better. So this is no judgment or condemnation on that. It's just that there are there are, there are choices out there. Right. And even when you only have access to the public schools in your area, there are charter schools. There are scholarships for some private schools. Um, Some Catholic schools will give out money for um, for people who have some financial um, who need have financial needs. They'll give out scholarships. So there's always access. And if you really want to, you know, you can look and try to find it and access any of these things. Um, But back to homeschooling for a moment. You know, the ability to homeschool your child is 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 a privilege. And I don't want, you know, people will think, well, if you the kids are homeschooled, it's less of an expense. There's an expense related to homeschooling, but I'm sure it's less, but less than what you would pay to go to private school. But homeschooling is a privilege because it requires someone's ability to be home, right? If you're the parent who's homeschooling, that means you're not at work. Um, Homeschooling is not something you can do while you're going to work. It's something that you're, you're choosing to do. And not work and so the ability or the privilege to be able to not work that is a privilege and we have to understand that so in in the in the quote-unquote, you know mommy wars or parent wars about what's better for kids understanding that access to private school or the decision about whether you're going to send your kids to which type of private school is a privilege. The decision to the homeschool your kids is a privilege because you are, you're saying I can survive and take care of my children without going to work. And that's a real, that's a privilege. And so understanding that there are many ways to access this, there's always many ways to, to, to do any of this stuff, but understanding that in some aspects we're dealing with a privilege, excuse me, And it's okay to acknowledge that it doesn't it's it's no judgment or condemnation on any one decision. But sometimes when you have access to different things, you don't you maybe can forget that there's a privilege to that. And so for those who are planning to homeschool, it's the same thing. If you want to, if you're planning to homeschool and you're planning for one parent to be home by the time the kids are a certain age and ready for school, that's also a plan you have to make about how you're going to make the sacrifice of the one salary um, in order to make sure that you can have the money to, to to you know to sustain the family, but also have one of the parents home in order to homeschool. So there are many sacrifices that families make in order to do what's right for their for their kids, and it's always important to plan ahead. That's all. That's all, all any of this requires is to plan ahead so that you can meet the challenges that come with these things prepared, um, both you know, emotionally prepared but also financially prepared to tackle these um very you know, very sensitive topics on how how and what costs are associated with educating your children. So that was kind of a double episode. I kind of hit on two two very different things. Again, I wanted to bring you guys into the conversation about the brand loyalty again, but also wanted to cover the cost of school, back to school. In the spirit of back to school, in the spirit of time for this this time of year, to cover the topic of the various ways we choose to educate our children and the costs associated with it, and how we can plan ahead in order to cover those costs, um, I, wanted, I want to I want to you know if you have any questions about how to set up you know educational savings plans. Or how you can go about u- utilizing any educational savings plans that you have accessed um, from when your children are young for when they go to college or when they go to, some, in some instances, private high school can be utilized. You know, th- those are things. Email me. We can talk about that. Um, I'd love to have those discussions about that. And um, in any ways in which you're interested, if you if you just have a new baby and you're re- ready to begin those kind of savings plans, we can talk about um, how in different states they have access to different type of education saving pl- savings plans, as well as some banks to have different types of plans you can um, contribute to so that you can have some of this money kind of locked away when it's time for your kids to go to school, albeit um, private high school or even college. So um like email me at Malik M-A-L-I-E-K at the dot com. You can follow me on on Instagram at Financial Emancipation. Send me a DM, any questions there. Um follow me on Twitter, F-I-N Emancipation. And um, join the conversation on Facebook. Um, financial Emancipation is the group um, and also the page like the page. If you like this podcast, you're interested in it, share it with three friends so that they can join join the financial emancipation movement. Because the goal here for this podcast and this movement is to free us from the burdens of finances that hold us back, hold us down and weigh us down. We want to get free from that and then get to a type of freedom that you don't ever have to look back to being um, burdened by your finances and can only look forward to a financially free future. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope you'll be back as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can get, get financially emancipated free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.